You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. This morning, I want to begin with some questions for you, just to kind of get us thinking together this morning. So um, here's a few of the questions. Have you ever been betrayed by someone? Don't raise your hand, just nod your head. There's no pain like the pain of betrayal, is there? Have you ever, have you ever been lied to where trust was broken? Probably we could all nod our heads to that one. Have you ever been taken advantage of for someone else's gain? It makes you angry, doesn't it? Have you ever been wounded by someone's actions? We would all say probably so. Have you ever been slandered or verbally attacked? I think we can all identify with those painful places, those realities that happen in our lives. You know, as we process life in relationship with flawed people like ourselves, this is what happens. We get wounded. We get hurt. We get offended. It happens. I I wish it didn't happen, but but it does. So so what's the right response? What's, What's the healthy response when those things happen? I think Jesus gives us some insight as to how to respond to these painful events in our lives. So today we're actually concluding this radical series. We've been now, this is our sixth week in this series. We're going to conclude it this morning as we talk about this concept of radical forgiveness. Radical forgiveness. Not only, not only have we as followers of Jesus been radically forgiven, but we're charged to live out that forgiveness to others. What we have freely received, we are to freely get. Right? When we freely receive, we're freely giving to others. You know, Jesus himself modeled this radical forgiveness as he hung on the cross. I mean, think about what played out leading up to the cross. Jesus was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was scorned. He was beat. And he was nailed to the cross. Bearing a pain that's beyond what you and I would even be able to comprehend. Yet as he's hanging on the cross, do you remember the words that he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The very ones who were creating the pain for him. What was Jesus' prayer? God, God, forgive them. Listen, that is radical. Radical forgiveness. Jesus looking at the very people who created his pain, and what he, did, what he basically does is he lets it go. He refuses to hold on to any point of offense, but he, but he gives grace and forgiveness. And I think that's a model for us today as we, as we have to navigate the places of pain and offense in our lives. Rather than holding on to, we want to be those who let it go. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this morning, hey, let it go. We want to let it go. Rather than harboring and holding on to the pain, we want to be those who get this. We free ourselves through this concept of forgiveness. You know, that's exactly what happened in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. You may recall the tragedy that took place there in an Amish schoolhouse. October the 2nd, 2006 was the day. Charles Robert, an angry and bitter young man, due to the pain of his past, entered a one-room Amish schoolhouse loaded with weapons, and he shot ten young girls. Five of the girls survived. Five died. Then Charles Robert turned the gun on himself and took his own life. This tragic event shocked the community. If if you'll remember the event, it it shocked their nation. Obviously, there was deep grief and pain, especially for the families that lost their daughters that day. But what maybe was a greater shock 
was this, the response of the Amish community to the Roberts family. Within hours of the killings, a group of men from the Amish community went to Amy Roberts' house, the now widowed, to express forgiveness. Not only did they express forgiveness, but they brought gifts to her and her children and food for the family. And they said, we're going to walk with you through this tragedy. Later that evening, an Amish man visited Charles Roberts' father to extend forgiveness and offer comfort. And the story becomes even more amazing. Five days later, when the Roberts family gathered to bury the gunman in the cemetery of the Georgetown Methodist Church, more than half of the 75 mourners who gathered around Amy Roberts and offered her hugs of support were parents who just days earlier had buried their own children. Folks, that's radical. Radical forgiveness. You know, the Amish act of forgiveness changed the storyline coming out of Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. Instead of the Nickel Mines tragedy, media outlets began to speak of the Nickel Mines miracle. Forgiveness had changed the storyline from the horror of murder to the miracle of forgiveness. And just as this Amish community extended forgiveness in their pain, so we are charged. So we're charged. So this is like... Really not even up for conversation this morning if, we, if we're going to follow the direction of God's word. We, we're, we're charged to live out forgiveness to others. Rather than holding on to places of injury and offense, Jesus directs us to this, to let it go, to release it. See, when we refuse to forgive others for whatever the injury was, it doesn't hurt others, it hurts us. We hurt ourselves. See, when we hold on to points of offense, this is what happens. It allows bitterness to grow in our souls that contaminates our lives. Now, unforgiveness, if you can think of it like this, unforgiveness creates this growing pressure within us. And when you hold on to that injury, those points of offense, then what happens is, is you become cynical, you become angry, you become bitter because you're carrying this pain and injury forward. Then what happens is we blow up. You ever had anyone blow up on you? Have you ever blown up? And we blow up because we're holding on. We're holding on rather than letting go. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you this morning. Have you ever had a sermon illustration where you really hope this works? So I have uh, two balloons this morning. The black one represents unforgiveness. The white one for us is going to represent forgiveness. The black represents holding on to. The white represents letting go. So when, when we get injured, when we get hurt, when someone wrongs us, and again, we're doing life with messed up folks, right? Remember that? Messed up folks like who? Like us, right? So we're all in this together, and we get hurt, and we hold on to. Someone injures us, they betray us, and we hold on to. We're not letting go, we're holding on to. And what? The pressure continues to build, right? And the pressure continues to... to, uh, it continues to grow within us. Why? Because we're not letting go. We're, we're not releasing. Listen, God didn't mean for us to hold on to, right? 
He meant for us to release points of offense so that this doesn't happen. Because the scripture talks about this root of bitterness. This root of bitterness that grows within us. And it's interesting, the scripture says when we have this root of bitterness, we actually defile many. Right? There's a defilement. What we, we, we actually... Whoa, 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 whoa. We actually, what? That's <laughs> what happens. We blow up. You've done it on others, and you've had others do it to you. Because we're holding on to this offense, this bitterness. And again, there's this growing angst within us. And I'm telling you, it's, it was never God's plan. Never God's plan of how we would do life or how we would navigate relationship. So we want to be those who... We want to be those who are, as we forgive, what we're letting go. Someone hurts us, they injure us, what do we do? We let it go. Someone slanders us, we let it go. Someone um, takes advantage of us. We let it go. And that's God's plan. And oftentimes, again, the injury happens. We blow up. We blow up on others. It gets ugly. Marriages struggle. Relationships struggle. Families struggle. Why? Because we hold on to rather than letting go of. The healthy way to do life, the healthy way to process relationships is what we want to be those who are consistently, continually letting it go. Listen, that is the way of Christ. Radical forgiveness is, is, is the way of Jesus. You know, if you look back to the time in which Jesus showed up and you kind of study that out, what you'll discover is that Jesus came into a time where everyone was about retaliation. Like, you help me, I'll help you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Kind of the way of the world, right? And when Jesus comes, he like turns this whole thing upside down. And he says, no, it's not the way of retaliation. He says, that's not how you're to live. And it's the way of forgiveness. It's not, it's not the way of getting even. It's the way of getting ahead by giving grace to others. But here's a question we, all, we often ask. For how, um, how much and for how long? How often should I forgive others? How much should I forgive others? It's interesting that that Peter asked that very question of Jesus. Matthew 18, if you have your Bibles, you can look there. In Matthew 18, Peter comes and he poses this question to Jesus. He says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Like up to seven times. And Peter was actually feeling pretty good about himself when he said up to seven times. For the the rabbinic law taught that you had to forgive someone three times. After three times, there's no more grace. So Peter takes three, multiplies it by two, and adds one. Seven times. And he he was thinking Jesus is going to like applaud his response. And Jesus says, Peter, you don't get it. It is not seven times, but... 77 times, or 7 times 70. So you should forgive your brother. In other words, without end, without limit. In other words, forgiveness should be given without 
boundaries, without limitations. There shouldn't be a limit on how many times or, or how we forgive others. And out of this, then Jesus tells a, a riveting parable. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Let me just summarize the first part of it. And then I want to read just a couple verses out of Matthew 18. In this parable, Jesus tells, as he's responding to Peter's question, he says, there was a king who wanted to settle his accounts with the servants. So he called one of his servants who owed him like a a pile of money, 10,000 Talents, to be exact, that would be like millions of dollars in our in our culture today. He called this servant and he says, "I want you to pay what you owe." And the servant said, "There's no way. There's absolutely no way that I can repay this millions of dollars that I owe you." And the king said, "Well, I'm going to have you thrown in prison with your family until you can pay the debt." And the scripture says, "This servant fell on his knees." And he began to beg for mercy. Be merciful to me. And it's amazing, talking about radical, you know what the king does? He says, okay, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. You owe $20 million? I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to cancel your debt. You don't owe anything. Now here's this servant who's been like radically forgiven, Right? Interesting, as Jesus goes on in the story, he says that very servant who had been forgiven this massive debt, this unpayable debt, goes out and finds one of his buddies, one of his fellow servants, who owed him a few bucks. Catch the contrast. 20 million to a few bucks. And he demands payment from his friend. He says, give me the money you owe me. And his friend says, I'm sorry, I, I don't have it today. And he has that friend thrown in prison, the one who's just been forgiven so much, who's, been, who's just been given this amazing mercy, has his friend thrown in jail. Well, the word gets back to the king. And when you pick up the story with me in, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 32. And the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to, because you asked me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Notice verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart, unless you give forgiveness to others. So in this parable, the king represents God who's forgiven us of a like an unbelievable debt, a, a debt that we did not have the ability to pay. So I think within this story, we have this picture of, of the mercy, of the kindness of God. And, and as we come to him with our failures and our sins and we seek forgiveness, what does he do? He cancels all of our debt. He cancels a debt greater than you or I would ever have the ability to repay. He wipes the slate clean. What, is he, what did he do for you? What did he do for me? He gave us grace instead of judgment. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, you know, that's good news. That God didn't give you what you deserved. Come on. What did he give you? He gave you grace. Wipe the slate clean. 
He totally eliminated your debt. But oftentimes, oftentimes we're like the servant who had been forgiven a great debt and that, and that we're not willing to forgive others. We've been forgiven so much, but we're not willing to forgive others. We're not willing to live out the very grace that we have received. So this is what I know this morning. We've all been radically forgiven. Nod your head to that. We've all been radically forgiven. Now we are charged. We're charged to live out radical forgiveness. So radical forgiveness begins with this. It begins with the recognition that we've been forgiven a debt that we cannot pay. So let's start there. Think about your life. Think about your mishaps and your mistakes. You and I, because of the grace of God, have been forgiven a debt that there was no way. Given 10 lifespans, there's no way that we could have repaid it. So, so let me, again, see if I can illustrate this morning. Um, Evan, you want to help me out? Sure. So this says there's a debt owed to me, Farrell Emmings. $20 million. So here, Evan, you owe me $20 million, and I would like payment now. Yeah, how's your IRA look? Uh, not that good. Like, so what are you going to do? Like, you owe me twenty million, and I want I want what you owe me now. I'm demanding payment. Yeah, I'm going to beg. I don't have it. Oh, you're going to beg? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, going to bail you out? I think dad's a little short on 20 million. So since you're asking for forgiveness, and this is what I'm going to do, you owed me 20 million. And so today we're just going to, we're going to totally eliminate that debt and it's all gone. You no longer owe me anything. That's exactly what God's done for you and I. Make it 20 million, make it 30 million, make it. Change the M word to the B word. Make it $20 billion. To recognize how much we've been forgiven. Just think about that for a moment. Allow that to kind of sink in. And I think for us to live out forgiveness, it's helpful for us. And that's why Jesus is telling this parable to Peter, this story that we get to kind of eavesdrop in on. He's wanting Peter to understand the magnitude of God's mercy and grace. So as we began to recognize how much we've been forgiven, that we've been forgiven this debt we could never repay, then it really positions us to then live out that mercy. Again, what we have freely received, we want to freely give, right? We've been radically forgiven. Tell your neighbor, listen, you've been radically forgiven. So if we're going to live out this radical forgiveness, I think it begins with the recognition of what? The debt, the, the payment that we owe that God's forgiven us of. I think radical forgiveness also requires us to forgive others with no exceptions. So now we're talking about what God's word directs us to. 
To forgive others with no exception. If you look back to verse 33, it says, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your, on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In other words, Jesus saying, shouldn't you give mercy to others just as I gave you mercy? He just as us have, just as each of us have received mercy from God that canceled our debt, so now, so we are now to live that mercy out. So we are to give that mercy to others. Listen, when God forgave you, He didn't say, okay, I can take care of these 25 things, but these two things here, you're going to have to work that out. I can take care of these 75 things, but these four things, it's going to take a while for you to pay that debt. That's not the way God responded to you, was it? Now, what he forgave all, he totally eliminated all of your debt, all of your sin, all of your faults, all of, of your failures. In the same fashion, there, there's, there should be no exceptions to our forgiveness. We don't have the right to choose what we forgive and what we let go of. We are required. We're required to forgive others. And Jesus' Sermon on the Mount recorded earlier in the book of Matthew, as Jesus is talking with the disciples about how to pray, he makes this statement in Matthew 6.12. Listen to how this reads. Jesus said, and, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. As we. Notice that, notice that little word, as. This verse, I, I think, could actually read like this. God forgive us our debts in the same way as we also have forgiven they're debtors. Now, there's a connection. There's a connection between us receiving God's forgiveness and giving God's forgiveness to others. That's what I want you to see here. It's a connection. Remember, Jesus goes on in Matthew 6, 14 and 15 to say this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, their faults, their failures, their injuries, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Pretty severe. Now Jesus is not saying God's withholding forgiveness from us as a motivation to get you to be more forgiven. Jesus is actually commenting here on the nature of forgiveness in the human condition. See, to be forgiven by God means that I, I acknowledge that I've done wrong. If I cling to my resentment or bitterness toward other people, I'm indicating that I don't want to repent. It's a, it's a statement of the position of my heart, which means that I don't want to be forgiven, and God will not force me to. So when I refuse to repent, I can't be forgiven. You can't be forgiven. And that's why the scripture says, if we're not willing to forgive others, if we're not willing to own our own faults, our failures, our stuff, then we cancel the very forgiveness we need from God. How I many you know at that point you were in a precarious position? Because we a bunch of messed up folks. What do we need? We need God's grace. We need God's forgiveness. Not like once a year, but like every day, Right? When we refuse to forgive others, we've shut ourselves off from the very grace and mercy that we, we need for our own lives. 
So how can we, how can we practice radical forgiveness? I, I want to give you just a few action points this morning that I think will help us as we're walking this out. How many of you know this is everyday stuff? It is what we're living every day as we're, as we're navigating relationship, as we're navigating marriage. Any of you ever have any arguments in your marriage? Any arguments in your home? Any of you ever have any challenges in your workplace? Like, like every day. So how can we live out this radical forgiveness? I think first we need to understand that forgiveness begins with with our decision, not their repentance. In other words, you're in the driver's seat, if I can say it like that. But it begins with you. And as you know, you cannot control others. You cannot control their actions or decisions. But what you, can, what you always have control over is what? How you respond, right? What are you going to do with the injury? What are you going to do with the hurt? It's within your power to hold on to the place of offense or let it go. Say that again. It's within your power to hold on to or to let go of. It's your decision. So forgiveness and freedom doesn't begin with others, friends. It begins with you. It begins as you decide to give mercy rather than demanding payment. Now, it's been said that the refusal to forgive is a toxic memory that endlessly pulls the painful past into the present. The toxic memory of the unforgiven past poisons the present and it contaminates the future. Friend, don't allow that to be your story. Don't live like that. Make a decision to forgive. Don't wait for others to act because get this, they may not. They may not. So don't allow them to enslave you. Forgiveness begins... With your decision, not not their repentance. I I believe we become better at forgiving others when we understand that forgiveness is the beginning of my healing, not the resolution of the problem. It's the beginning of healing inside of me. Often we become so focused on the problem or the pain or the hurt that we make it impossible to forgive. Possibly we feel like we need to solve the problem, whatever it is, before we forgive others. And can I tell you this morning, there's some problems that will never be resolved. Can I also tell you that there's some people who are never going to change? How many of you know there's some difficult people in the world? I call them EGRs, extra grace required. <laughs> EGR people. So, some people are not going to change. And even beyond that... Listen, possibly there's individuals that's created your pain or your problem or your hurt or your injury, and they're already dead. They're six feet under. You can't solve that problem. Impossible. So don't don't make the focus solving the problem. First choose to forgive so you can heal and you can move forward in a healthy way. Forgiveness is is not tolerance, nor does it mean that I ignore the problem, but to be able to address the problem or the pain in a healthy manner, forgiveness is critical. Let me also say that, that forgiveness does not mean that the relationship is 
always restored. But trust has been broken that may not easily be fixed, if ever. Listen, there's a, big, there's a big difference between trust and forgiveness. And oftentimes we make them the same. And, and we make it difficult then to walk out forgiveness. Forgiveness should be instant and free. Right? Trust takes time to rebuild. Forgiveness is about the past. Trust is about the future. And trust has to be earned over time, and it may never be re-earned. Well, because of people's actions. So forgiveness and trust are not the same. So here's a couple questions for you. Are, you. are you allowing people who hurt you in the past to continue to hurt you in the present? Because of their actions. Are you allowing the pain of a past event to continue to bring pain for your life today? Listen, every time you rehearse and replay in your mind what happened, you allow the hurt to hurt you again. That's a horrible way to live. Listen, don't do that. Choose a better way to move forward. And here's the better way. It's forgiveness. So know that that forgiveness is the beginning of your healing, not the resolution of the problem. Hopefully that can happen. Let's not make that the focus. Let's start with this forgiveness. Lastly, I I think it's, it's important that we understand that forgiveness creates an opportunity for God to continue transforming us into, his, into the image of his son. And when we hold on to hurts, to places of injury and wrongs, and allow bitterness and resentment to grow, can I tell you that we're not being like Christ? We're not following the example of Christ? But as we give mercy and grace to others when they fell us or hurt us, We're doing what Jesus did, and we're becoming more like him. Our lives are being transformed by his grace as we are living out grace. We want to be those who who live out grace. To be be a disciple of Jesus is is this. It's really simple. It's to do the things he did. It's to follow his example. Ephesians 4.32, Pastor Justin read this verse earlier. It's a challenging verse to us. It's a charge to us today. Listen to what Paul wrote, Ephesians 4.32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So looking at this verse, it's still on the screen. How are we to forgive others? It's not a trick question. It's right there on the screen. How are we to forgive others? Just as God has forgiven us in Christ. In other words, we could say it like this, in the very same way that we have been forgiven, we should in turn forgive others. Some might say this morning, but pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand the depth of the hurt. You don't understand the, the depth of the pain that they caused. And, and you're right, I, I, I don't understand and I don't know, but God does. He does. He knows the injustice. He knows the offense. He knows the pain. And he'll help you. If you'll take the first step of letting it go, he will help you, friend. Walk to a place of freedom. He'll help you live it out and in the process transform your life. As we're living out grace, 
as we're living out forgiveness. Lewis Smead summarizes the power of forgiveness, and he says it so well. It's there in your notes. He says, forgiving is love's revolution against life's unfairness. Isn't that a great statement? It says, when we forgive, we ignore the normal laws that strap us to the natural law of getting even. And by the alchemy of love, we release ourselves from our own painful past. To forgive is to set a prisoner free. To discover that the prisoner was you. Can I encourage you this morning to free yourself by choosing to let it go? But would you just turn to your neighbor again and just say, to the, say this to him, let it go. Encourage him. But we want, to, we want to be those who let it go. We don't want to be like the balloon that blew up, right? What do we want to do? We want to let it go. Go. As those who have received radical forgiveness, let us be those who follow Jesus' model and live out radical forgiveness. We want to be those who are continually, what, letting it go. This is a lifestyle. This, this is how we live. Well, we, we're, we're letting it go. We're not holding on to. We're not allowing bitterness or resentment to find a root in our souls. What do we do? We are those who are letting it go. Holy Spirit, help us do that. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning. First, for the amazing grace that you've given us. I thank you this morning, Lord, for the wonder of your mercy to us. Lord, when we came guilty with our pile of debt, God, and we, and we look to you. You didn't bring judgment. No, you gave us mercy. You wiped their slate clean. You forgave all of our debt. What a model for us. Now you've called us. You've charged us to live out that same forgiveness, to live out that same mercy. So Lord, what I know is Subjects like this are a whole lot easier to talk out than they are to walk out. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us today. Help us be those who live grace to others. Help us be those who are consistently, continually letting it go. Not holding on to it. Lord, help us be those who who live free, free from the baggage, free from the pain, free from the hurt. We're opening our lives in a greater way, God, just to live out the fullness of your plans for our lives. Because, Lord, what I know is that when we hold on to the stuff of the past, it becomes like an anchor that just weighs us down. Lord, may that not be true. Of our lives. With every head bowed and eye closed, I, I just want to take just a moment to ask this question Is there something you need to let go of today? Maybe it was a family member, maybe it was your ex, maybe it was something that happened in the workplace. Maybe it was someone who was a dear friend. That's the pain of the worst kind, isn't it? Those, when those who are closest to us 
betray us, injure us, wrong us, violate us. Listen, friend, as you have received amazing mercy, forgiveness from God, give that mercy to others. Let it go. Don't hold on to. Is there anyone here today just say, hey, there's, there's something I'm letting go of today. Would you just raise your hand? I, I want to pray for you as you're walking that out. Yeah, in the balcony, on the main floor. Lord, I, I thank you today for the grace that you've given us that now we get to live out. And Lord, again, I know these things are easier to talk about than they are to actually flesh out. So, Lord, for those who just say, yeah, that's me. There's something in the past that I'm letting go of today. Lord, I pray that you would empower them and enable them, Lord, to to truly walk that out. Lord, what they let go of today, may they not pick it up tomorrow. But may they truly move forward from this place today free in their lives. And Lord, I pray for everyone in the room today. Lord, help us be those who live our lives like this. We're letting it go. We're letting it go. We're letting it go. And in that, Lord, experience the freedom that you have for us. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.